I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. Electrolytes, water, and gels. How can you manage it all? Marathon fueling can be super overwhelming. People are handing out water, Powerade, goo, other gels, bananas, candies, and even more options during races. It is just a lot to take in. Where should you even start with fueling? I remember the first time I started fueling on a run, and it just seemed so confusing. There are so many options available, and it seems like there are just endless strategies. Phrases like, find what works for you, don't really seem to help the situation anymore. Today, we are going to do a deep dive into chatting about the different categories of fueling, and we hope to remove the confusion and gray area from the fueling on the run process. Today, I am chatting with Jason Phillippe, who has been running for over 20 years now, and he has been competing in marathons since 2011. So 10 years of marathon experience under his belt. So definitely no stranger to the topic here on a personal level, but also he has been helping athletes train for the marathon distance and beyond ever since 2013. So he has a lot of experience in this area, both personally and from a coaching perspective as well. Um, I myself have ran 19 marathons over the last um, eight and a half years, and I have learned quite a few things along the way when it comes to fueling. Um, I have done anything from not fueling at all for a marathon and not consuming anything but water to um, taking gels every 20 minutes and everything kind of in between. So we're going to talk about our different experiences, both on a personal level and also um, just some of the experiences of the people that we've coached. I've been coaching marathon runners um, since 2014 or 2015. Um, So I have a good deal of experience working with um, athletes for the marathon and developing a fueling plan there. So I kind of know what some of the common obstacles are in terms of fueling and getting athletes into that Um, fueling category because it is a new thing. Oftentimes people, when they start training for a marathon, they know a lot about running and they have a lot of experience with running, but the fueling aspect is a little bit foreign to them in terms of eating while you run, right? So Jason, I guess I'll kick things off on a little lighthearted note. When was the first time that you consumed food or any sort of fuel um, besides water on a run, if you can remember? Man, that's a good question. Uh, I 
would have to say it was probably around 2010, I think, because that's, I, you know, I finished college in 2009, finished competing, I guess, in 2008, um, and trained for my first half marathon, I believe, in 2009 or 10. And so, um, you know, I can't even remember if I took gels during the first uh, half or not, to be honest. Um, but for sure, that next summer when I started training for my first marathon, I got more exposed to taking gels. Um, during the first half, I took obviously water and Gatorade along the route, but I knew I was only going to be out there for about an hour and 15 minutes. So I didn't, you know, I didn't think I needed anything more than that. I hadn't had any experience training, um, with really anything other than maybe Gatorade, um, or stopping at my car for water. Um, so yeah, I guess that was kind of the first time and, you know, fast forward, you know, 10, 11 years, um, there's been some newer products released here in the last couple of years that I haven't gotten to try yet. So I'm really excited to kind of get back in a training cycle, hopefully this summer and as races return and try some of the new products. So I know we'll be sharing some of the names like Morton. That's something I, I've only experimented with on the bike. Um, I haven't done anything with running that and consuming that product yet. But first products that I started with obviously was Gatorade. And then for um, gels, it was probably goo. And then I moved into like the cliff shot blocks. Um, so those are kind of my first experience with, with those. Yes, definitely. I love how you kind of talked about how technology has changed a little bit, right? So there's more of the you can, the more teen, um, those are more newer fueling. I guess we weren't really as aware of them um, in the early 2010 era when I started experimenting with fuel. It seemed like goo was the big uh, player and same with cliff cliff uh, shots and gels and that those were really kind of the go-to right when you went into a local running store and you were just like I need some fuel it was kind of just what you would pick up um, and anytime you're going to like a marathon expo I feel like there is just a plethora of different gels that you can pick from um, and really it's, it's really overwhelming and the first time that I was training for my first marathon um, in 2012 or 2013 was the first time I really remember taking food-like substances on a run. I think prior to that, you know, you consume the little Gatorade here and there, you do water. But when you first have that that gel or the, the blocks for the first time, it can be an odd experience um, to be eating and running at the same time. Um, I didn't really enjoy it, and I felt that it was very confusing. So I used, I think, like the Cliff Shots the first time. And there's just so many mistakes that looking back I made when introducing the fuel, right? So in my mind, I I just did things wrong. So what I did is not what you're supposed to do. And I went out on, you know, my first 16 mile run and I was like, well, I'm going to be running for a long time. So now is the optimal time to start fueling, right? So then I grabbed my, uh, my fuel, the little cliff shots that I was going to take on the run and I waited until, you know, because when you're training for a marathon, there's like a certain distance that once you go beyond that distance, it feels like a super long run. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take my gel when I need the energy at mile like 10 or 12, right? And so the first time I'm consuming this product is when I'm 
10 to 12 miles into a long run. Um, and it was already starting to feel hard, right? And you, you're trying to eat gel and run and it was just a hot mess. And as a result, I never really got into a good fueling routine, which ended up with me like crashing and burning at my first marathon. Um, there's just a lot that goes into fueling. And so we hope to kind of dissect the common mistakes that people make, because I do think that that's something that a lot of runners would do is that they might just go out on their first long run and just, you know, pop a gel when they feel they need energy. And there's just a better strategy in place, like fueling before you feel like the crash is going to come. And actually starting with fueling, you know, when you're 20, 30 minutes into a run is ideal because at that point, um, your digestive system is still working really optimally and you don't want to wait until everything's kind of shutting down, right? Like at mile 20 of a marathon, if anyone's ever been there, it can be really hard if you're racing a marathon and you're all out to digest a gel because your body is doing so many other functions. Like the blood is going to your muscles, right? It's going to your legs. It's doing everything else. And it's kind of shutting down, um, your digestive system. So there's not going to be as much blood flow there, um, in the later miles of a marathon. So as a result, if you're not consuming fuel in the early miles, you might end up at mile 20 and you're just like out of luck, right? So it's really important to start fueling early for that reason. But we'll kind of go into that a little bit later. So kicking things off, the first thing that most runners are very familiar with, with uh, fueling on a run, is consuming water, right? I think we've all kind of been there where, you know, we stop in the middle of the run for water. Um, it's, it's usually a welcomed source of fuel for people. Everyone loves water. People like to have water on their runs. It's something that's really easy to consume. So at what point, um, if people haven't already, should you start to add in water and should you carry it with you? What are kind of the rules for that and does it vary from person to person? Yeah, I think it's going to depend a lot on your background and kind of like how how long you've been running. Um, You know, as I mentioned earlier, when I came out of college, I wasn't used to ever consuming water during a run. Um, you know, in the longest runs we probably went on were about seven, maybe 80 minutes. And so, um, you know, we'd wait till we get back and then we'd hit the drinking fountain. And so my first summer, probably training for like the half marathon, that was probably when I stopped for water and basically just picked routes around the lakes or wherever that had, or parks where there were drinking fountains. And so, um, you know, anytime I would say for me, it was, if I was going to run over an hour, you know, I'd probably stop for water and, um, depending on where you live and the weather and kind of how long you've been uh, you know, training for whatever this, whatever race it is you're training for or distance. Um, if you're training for 10 miles or above, I think that it's perfectly, um, acceptable or, you know, even, even for new runners, if you're training for your first 5k or 10k, you might think you need water, um, you know, in your, in your, um, first few runs just to get through the runs. And I think that, um, the more you can, sort of push the envelope over time and get used to running without consuming water, you know, for 20 minutes and 30 minutes and then 40 minutes, I think you'll be okay um, upwards of around an hour. But once you get over that hour threshold, I think it's perfectly normal to want to, you know, um, plan a run where you're figuring out a way to get water in, whether that's carrying the handheld water bottles um, or a a route where you're stopping for water or circling back to your house. And then obviously, if you're going to be running longer than that, you can stop multiple times, um, you know, about every, I would say every 30 minutes or so. 
Yeah, this really varies so much from person to person. And my mom is a marathoner herself. Um, and for whatever reason, she just doesn't like to go on any runs without water. And we do live in the same climate here and it doesn't really ever get super hot. It's more just some people really have the strong preference for they got to have water every 20 minutes on every single run. Um, other people, it's like they could go um, all day without drinking water. I mean, not all day, but they could go for like a 90 minute run, be totally fine with no water, two hour run, no water, they're fine. Um, so I think there is a part of it that where it is like a personal preference, so to speak, but it is super important if you are training for a marathon, uh, you have to drink water <laughs> on the race course. Um, you can't risk dehydration, those sort of things. So you have to get in the habit of drinking water on your training runs, right? So if you're someone who maybe is more like Jason or I, um, we can go for a long time without drinking water for whatever reason. Um, like I could go do a two hour long run right now and not consume any water and feel great afterwards. But, you know, if you're doing a marathon for optimal performance, you're going to need to be consuming fluids. And so I would make a really big mistake if I did not incorporate the the, um, intake of water into my training because you can't just never practice drinking water on your long runs or during your workouts and expect your body to be able to all of a sudden on race day consume water and be totally fine with that. And I have made that mistake before where I'm like, well, I don't need water um, for my training runs and it's too much of a hassle. I'm fine. And maybe I only consume a little bit at mile like 15 or something like that of a 20 miler. And then I go on race day and I start consuming fluids at mile like five or six. And what happens is that my body is just not used to running with water in my stomach and there's a lot of sloshing around and it can be extremely uncomfortable. So what I would say, if you're training for a marathon, it is really important to incorporate how you're going to fuel like water wise or even a half marathon. It's really important to consume water on your long runs sometimes like you are going to on race day. And that also goes into another um, point here that at water stops at a race or however you are going to fuel, maybe you have a handheld water bottle, you should be doing it in the same fashion that you will on race day. And so what's really common is that athletes will stop for prolonged periods of time and drink their water and then they um, let their heart rate drop and all of those things then they start running again. But then on race day, they're expecting to just run through and not stop at all. So Jason, talk to me a little bit about how you should practice a water stop. Um, I mean, it's not really realistic that someone would, you know, sit there with someone handing them a cup for their long run. So do you like try to limit how long someone stops for? Because if you are trying to get in water every 20 to 30 minutes, like you would on race day, What is the optimal way to do that when you're out on a training run? Yeah, you mentioned it, you know, and that it boils down to training the way you are going to race. And so, um, you know, by stopping for extended periods of time at water stops during like group runs or social outings, um, you're probably giving yourself more of an opportunity, like you said, for your heart rate to come down, but also to drink more. And so sometimes, 
you know, in the race, you might be just kind of passing through the water station. You might not drink as much. And if it's a hot day, you may experience, you know, cramping later on in the race or um, because your body's not used to going um, that distance um, with such uh, low amounts of fluid. And so you want to probably try to replicate, drink about the same as you will um, during during the race. And sometimes that's hard to figure out, right? It takes a few um, experiences to um, figure out how much you need. And then obviously the weather plays a huge difference. I've done marathons where if it's sunny, I'm drinking way more, probably almost twice as much fluids as I am if it's a cold day um, in October, for example. So Um, but yeah, it is, it's expected or encouraged that, you know, when you're running a marathon, you should be drinking, you know, probably about four to eight ounces of fluids, um, every 15 minutes. And so, um, you can kind of figure out how much, you know, how often that is. That might be every water stop, just grabbing something, whether it's water up one water stop, maybe it's, um, Gatorade or whatever they offer on the course, something with electrolytes at the next stop, um, kind of alternating every other, or maybe you like to take both one of each. It really just depends, uh, working, you know, figuring out what works for you. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I would recommend. And then the other thing is like, as you pass through the water stops, you want to, you know, practice, obviously runner's etiquette. If you just slam on your brakes and stop other runners behind you might run into you. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of mess. I've seen messes at water stops. I've even cut my own friends off when we're pacing each or we're running together. And it's just like, Sometimes it's hard to navigate that if it's a crowded, busy area and you got cups on the ground, you're trying to avoid stepping on them. Um, so plan ahead, veer off to the side of the road, give yourself extra space, um, and then really decide like, are you, you know, are you going to be able to continue running um, while you consume the, the liquid? And that's something that I've learned to practice during my runs as well. You know, and if I'm drinking out of water bottles during my runs, that's different from the races where you get cups. So think about that too. You know, you have to kind of um, crinkle the cup a little bit so the water flows out nicely into your mouth. Yeah, those are a lot of really good tips. And, you know, just listening to you talk, we're kind of still in the middle of COVID shutdowns. There are not a lot of races and the races that are happening are pretty small. Um, I mean, it's not like they're, you know, 50 people, but, uh, they're not like the Boston marathon just got delayed till October. Um, so it's, it's just like there are, there might not be as many opportunities where you're forced to shut down at a water stop right now, but you know, if things go back to normal, hopefully they do. Um, and there's larger events again, it's something to take into consideration. And I know, um, you know, some of the paces that we run on race day, there's not really a lot of people that are coming to a complete stop at a water stop. So I don't feel like I have to worry as much about that. But if you're someone maybe training for, I don't know, I feel like when I was pregnant with, um, our first, I, I did a couple of half marathons and obviously as pregnancy progresses, you get slower and slower. And it was about when I, I ran like a 156 half, I think, um, that summer. And I do remember people were stopping and walking through water stops. And that was just kind of when you're at a, a certain pace, that's what a lot of the people around you are doing. And so you're almost like forced into, okay, well, like five people around me just stop. I also have to stop and walk. Otherwise you're going to be hitting people and that's, you know, no one wants to be um, doing that. That's not really acceptable. So I would just, you know, take that into consideration. How crowded is the race going to be? Do you think you're going to be forced to stop through a water stop? And honestly, the the stopping I thought was going to add so much time onto my um, finish time of my race. But really, I mean, 
honestly, you're only stopped for like 10 seconds and you're walking through and it's, it doesn't really add on time because it is also a little bit of a break for your legs. So when you do start walking again, or when you do start running again, you maybe are able to make up for lost time for, you know, the second or two that you were stopped, but it's not going to make as big of an impact as people think. But like you were saying, you should practice how you plan to race. So if you're someone who is thinking, you know, I know I'm going after a faster time. Um, I'm trying to run a BQ, whatever it may be. You need to practice running and consuming water on your run in the same fashion that you will on race day. And the best way that you can really do this is sign up for a half marathon or two that have these water stops there in your training and do that as part of your long run, Um, doing part of that at marathon pace, practicing how to fuel while running race pace in the same environment is one of the best ways that you can prepare for this. And so that's why it's really important to do um, half marathons or other distance races where you will be consuming fuel. And maybe you're not going to outright race these half marathons, but you're going to run at marathon race pace for a few miles so that you can get used to, okay, how am I going to fuel while I'm in a racing environment and those sort of things. Um, the next thing that kind of comes into training when, you know, we're talking about water, you want to be consuming water every 20 to 30 minutes, um, roughly every two miles. I just take a little bit of a sip. Um, you're not going to like chug the whole thing unless you are really, you know, you need to. Sometimes it's just taking the cup, getting in the practice of taking the cup, drinking a little bit of water and keep running. Um, It's better to do it that way throughout the race than to hit mile 18 and all of a sudden you have to stop. You're grabbing like water cup after water cup. You're dumping it on yourself. You're drinking it because you don't have enough fluids over the course of the race. I always think if I see a water stop, I'm going to take a cup even if I don't feel super thirsty in those beginning miles, it's really important to stay hydrated, especially in the beginning. Cause like we talked about earlier, the digestive system kind of starts to slow down. And if your body isn't going to be able to absorb that water at mile 20, it's better if you're drinking it in the earlier miles before you feel like you really need it. So I always say to myself, that first water stop at mile like two or three or whatever, you're taking a cup You're going to drink as much as you can because you want to be feeling really, really good 20 miles from now, Um, which I mean, really, really good. You're never going to feel really, really good at mile 22 or 24, but the idea is that you would be hydrating earlier in the race. So Jason, talk to me a little bit about electrolytes because that's the first thing that kind of gets thrown out there. We know you're supposed to consume water, but what about electrolytes? So when you're on a race course, there's usually a water table and an electrolyte table. Maybe they're on the same side of the road. Maybe they're the water is first and then there's Gatorade immediately after like two steps ahead. How do you navigate like what you should drink in what order? Do you grab a cup of each? Um, What have you found that works well for you and for athletes? And is there anything people should know? Yeah, um, you know, kind of perfecting the the art of your feeling during a race, it comes down to experience. So um, you you want to train this, you know, you want to you want to incorporate different types of uh, sports drinks during your training runs that might be offered at, at the race. And so, depending on what race you're doing, a lot of times you can find out on their website um, what they're going to be offering on the course. And you know, I would say probably like eighty nine percent of marathons, it's it's usually some type of Gatorade or Gatorade endurance. And so, um, you know 
traditionally I've, I've kind of done the same thing where I just bring it, bring that along and I'll plan out, um, maybe just one or two stops to get that in during the run, just to make sure that it sits well, um, in my stomach. And, um, you know, depending on race day, how warm it is and, you know, kind of how, uh, if I'm doing a half versus a full, I might opt for, you know, drinking more, more Gatorade over the water. Um, it really just depends. And, um, you know, I think that the biggest thing is just knowing, you know, the purpose of getting those electrolytes in is, um, is a fast acting carbohydrate. So it can help get sugar to the muscles and it help get the, um, you know, the, 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 the minerals that your, that your muscles are needing, the potassium or that, um, sodium. And, um, so, you know, whether that's going to be consumed in the form of Gatorade or you can, or, you know, um, hammer or endurox or you know there's a lot of different types out there and there's morting now i think you know you have your training to experiment with that and um you know over time you start to learn what sits well with you and what your body can handle um you know if you're like me you've been very fortunate to not really experience much gi distress during a race um i think i've only dealt with it once but you know i can basically take whatever and so my my first rule of thumb would be just to uh, look ahead, figure out what it is that they're going to be offering um, and practice that in your training. Right. That's a really good point. And I think it's really important to note that while there are some really great fueling things out there, like you can, Martine, uh, a lot of people like the noon or none or however you pronounce it. Um, I, I think people need to really be realistic with it, right? So if you are going to devote um, to those sort of electrolyte drinks or those sort of fueling drinks that you're going to be consuming in your training run, you need to realize that that is what your body is getting used to. Um, So if you go on race day and you're just going to take whatever's on the course because you don't have a means of getting your can or getting your Mortine at mile two, six, nine, you know, it's just a lot of water stops you would have to get this fuel at and most races are not going to just let you you know have your fuel at every single station that's not really how it works right so a lot of these races power they partner up with like a Powerade or a Gatorade and you're just kind of left to the mercy of whatever they pick and they usually are mixing these drinks with water and so at each station the consistency could be a little bit different one of them might be um, thicker, more, you know, sugary and the next one really dilute. And for some people that is a huge problem, but for other people like us, like we could consume it and have no issues. But the fact of the matter is a lot of these drinks have sugar in them. And the sugar is the thing that can really mess up your GI tract. If you're not, um, used to consuming that it, it can be Whoa, whoa. So we really have to make sure that we've practiced with the fuel that they're going to have on the course. So if you're someone that doesn't really get a lot of digestive issues and you want to be low maintenance, I would look at the race website, see what fuel they are going to be offering on the course in terms of Powerade, Gatorade, whatever, and start using that on your long runs. Whereas if you're someone who's like, no, no, I don't want to use Powerade. I don't want to try Gatorade. Um, I know my stomach is sensitive or I know that I want to dedicate myself to using UCAN because it is a better fuel source, right? Um, You're going to have to come up with a strategy for race day to get your fuel at certain mile markers of the course. 
which is okay, right? Um, I know one year, 2014, I qualified for Boston for the first time and we went to a very, very low key, extremely small race in Kansas. There were maybe a hundred people. Um, I came in third place with a 327. So this is like how low key the race was. And Jason was able to drive to different uh, miles of the course and hand off uh, the the sort of fuel that I was using at the time. Um, and that I think you met me at like five or six different locations. And so that really was useful. And that was the same sort of fuel that I used during my long runs. But, you know, in a larger race like the Twin Cities Marathon, it is just not realistic or possible to assume that uh, you're going to be able to have someone there and who's going to be able to meet up with you because there's just so many spectators And there's so many runners. I mean, there have been times where I've spectated that race. And just to give perspective, there's maybe like five to 8,000 people that do this race. Um, And even that is too big to sometimes find your runner and to have enough time to actually be able to hand something to them. Um, I think where this strategy of handing off really does well is maybe in a race where there's less than a thousand people. Um, So maybe that's really going to be a thing this year with more of the restricted races and having the smaller capacity. Uh, But you are really going to have to have someone who is really dedicated and devoted to meeting you at those mile markers because the worst possible thing that could happen is that they miss you at like several of them or one or more um, and it could maybe throw your whole race off. So you really have to understand that that is going to be a whole another logistical factor on race day. Uh, but if you plan it out, it can actually work really well. Um, so in terms of the next topic, right, this is where we get into the non-liquid gels, right? So we're or non-liquid fueling sources. We're talking about the gels, um, anything that you might eat on a race course. I know sometimes they hand out bananas oranges, strawberries. Um, At Boston, people will stand outside with like popsicles. I've seen, you know, candy, gummy bears. There's just so many different feeling sources. And we just kind of want to decode, you know, what, what should someone do? So what is the best way to start fueling? And what is the easiest method that you think a lot of runners um, enjoy most? Yeah. Um, you know, it. this is a, a very compl- complex question. And so, you know, when we think about our long run in training, we're going to start with our breakfast in the morning. And if you're someone that goes out and runs without eating breakfast, I think that that is, you know, that's something that you would want to work on. Um, because when we're eating our breakfast or before the run, we want to focus on those slow-acting carbohydrates, um, which are basically the, you know, the lower glycemic foods that are going to absorb, take longer to absorb and um, give us energy for longer. And so, you know, 30 to 60 minutes before, that's kind of the time for those types of carbs. And then during the run, that's when we want to experiment with the fast acting carbs like the gels and the goos. Um, And, you know, we know that a lot of people's um, stomachs may be sensitive. So the best thing is just to experiment with one during a run. And I would not even do it during a long run. I would just do it during an easy short run because you don't want to like screw up your whole, your whole long run if this is a new concept for you. And so do it during like a three, four mile run. Take it like right in the middle. See how it, see how it makes you feel. You might not even notice anything, and that's a good sign. That's fine. And because um, it took me it took me years to really even notice like anything with taking goo or gels. I never really even felt it. Um, <clears throat> 
And then, you know, there's a lot of like different types of them on the market too. And, and it's just based on preference. You know, the hammer gels are a lot more like liquidy. Um, goo, I think, is a lot more like paste-like. Um, Cliff might or Cliff might be like that as well. And then um, I like the Huma ones because they have like a chia seed in there and it just helps kind of get it down and wash it down faster. Um, and obviously there's lots of flavors. And so, you know, pick ones that you think are going to taste, you know, you're going to be able to get down quickly. Um, and yeah, so it kind of starts with experimenting and training, making sure that it doesn't cause you any sort of distress. And then you can incorporate them in your long runs, um, space them out probably every um, 30 minutes to an hour, just depending on, um, you know, the duration of your run and your race. Right. Yeah. And you might be someone who is really lucky like Jason and you don't have any sort of stomach issues. You're able to eat pretty much anything on the run. I know we did the goofy challenge in 2015. Um, so we did a half marathon on one day and a marathon the next day. And we just kind of went at an easy effort for Jason, but the whole time he was just like eating bananas. There would be like literally anything on the course. There's pictures of him literally like (laughs) eating a banana while we're running. Um, but that's the thing is some people, they don't struggle with, um, the fueling things. It's just like, they'll take anything in and their body just loves it. Um, whereas other people, maybe they struggle a little bit more. And so I am someone that really struggled to find what works well for me. Um, and I would say for some people, eating while you're running so like eating the banana for example or having those chew blocks or eating a gummy bear while you are running can sometimes be very awkward it's like you're because you're breathing so heavy right and it's hard to eat when you can't really breathe like you normally would when you're eating and so for me I just found that to be really difficult I almost felt like I was gonna choke I felt like Um, I was maybe swallowing a lot of air, that sort of thing. So I kind of stay away from those just for that reason alone. Um, I also found that a lot of the fueling, like I would take a gel and I would feel really sick after I would take it. And that was mainly because I didn't start fueling early enough in the run. So it is really important to start within the first 30 to 45 minutes of your run um, and not wait until that digestive system has kind of all the blood has gone away and is going to your muscles, right? You want to start early and you want to do it often. Um, And one way that you can start introducing it, so if you're like, I've never used a gel, I've never needed to use a gel. Um, I was one of those people after my first marathon, I was like, I don't, I don't need gels. It's, you know, it's more complicated than it's worth. And I went into my next like two marathons and I didn't really fuel at all. Um, I didn't fuel at all the second one. And that actually worked better <laughs> for my performance. But I knew that if I wanted to run even faster times and really like reach my potential in the marathon that I needed to start incorporating something. And so you might be sitting there thinking, well, I tried fueling once and I actually performed better without. And it's like, yeah, maybe that's true because you were so frustrated or there were other factors going on. But if you really want to reach your potential in the marathon, you really have to work on reincorporating that. And so I had to, on just easy runs, like you were saying, like those 60-minute runs, just maybe sip on a very, very small amount. So I would take like a gel, um, like a goo, a flavor that sounds appealing to you, right? So I'm someone who all of those weird flavors, like the apple or like the raspberry, like I can't 
with any of those. I'm not a big artificial like sugar like of fruit. I can't do it. Um, so I, I took like an espresso and a vanilla one, which for some people probably that sounds disgusting to them, but you have to look at the flavors and just pick one that sounds somewhat appealing to you. If you, um, heard that your friend really likes the apple or the raspberry. That doesn't mean that that's the one you have to get. Just pick one that sounds somewhat tolerable. Understand that they're not that good, right? Like these are not something that tastes great. Um, it's just something that you're trying to stomach. So if you look at it and you see, oh, there's a bunch of carbs and sugar in this, this will taste good. It doesn't really. So <laughs> you just want to understand that. Um, and if you don't think it tastes good, it's okay, right? So I would open up the fuel while you're on your run and take a very small, just a little part of it, put it in your mouth, let it dissolve and swallow. And that's what I do. And I spend about a mile doing that. And I just take my time with it. I don't try to like squeeze the whole thing in my mouth and just like swallow it. It's just that to me is it's just too much. It's very overwhelming. I like to do it slowly and allow my body time to kind of digest and take it in. Um, and I find that that works really well with a lot of my runners who come to me saying, I've never fueled before. Fueling doesn't sit well with my stomach. I say, okay, well, can we take like one fourth of a gel when we're on a run? Just take a, like a little teeny part of it and then you work your way up. So maybe on the next run, you do a third of the gel. And then on the next one, you can do a half. And pretty soon, you can take down a whole gel and then you're you're moving on to taking multiple gels per run. But this is something that takes the course of almost you know an entire training cycle to kind of get to the point where you can take multiple gels for a run. It just, it's a progressive overload with fueling. Um, so how do you experiment with different gels? I know you've kind of experimented with different ones in the past. Um, what are things that you look for when you are consuming a gel and how do you know like which is the best? Yeah, uh, you know, it just really boils down to like taste and preference. Um, for me, it, I didn't really care for the thickness, the chalky type of goo and uh, that I was having. So I kind of switched to more of, more of a liquidy one. I felt like it was easier and much quicker to get down. So if you don't really care for the taste, that's better because it's a lot faster, um, to swallow. And so, yeah, I found the human chia ones. I really like those. Um, I think that, you know, for me, it was, it was more just kind of looking at, um, accessibility too. Obviously if you go to a running store, there's a lot of options, right? So it's like, what do I, how do I even start? And I, I would just kind of experiment with something um, that I hadn't taken before because I wanted to try something new, see if I felt any, you know, any differences or felt better with it. Um, I've never really taken like the goo chomps, but I have taken like the cliff shot blocks. So um, as far as like chewing during the runs, I, I, you know, I like taking some of that sometimes just because it switches it up. I don't like to take a gel like every, you know, every um, 40 minutes or so. And so that's kind of something that I would do. So that way I'd only have to take maybe like two or three gels for the marathon instead of like five or six. So I could, you know, add some of that in there too. Um, but yeah, I think it's just more of a, a preference thing and, um, you know, what you can carry. Obviously, if you carry like a fueling belt, you can um, put your own stuff in there. And that way you, you, you know, you pick something that you know you're going to like. And again, sometimes if you wait until the um, the the stations out on the course, you know, they might not be like the cliff zone until mile 17, or they may not be offering fuel or, um, the goose as often as you might like. And so sometimes 
that's kind of something to keep in mind. Um, if you want to make sure you're taking it, you know, every 30 minutes, every 45 minutes, whatever it works well for you in training, um, you know, do it that way. Um, you know, traditionally one goo or so is going to be about like 25 grams of, um, of, um, uh, yeah, 25 grams of carbs. And so they recommend getting at least like anywhere from 30 to probably like 80 grams an hour. So, you know, you're going to need at least one every hour, probably two, uh, maybe even three, if it's, if it's pretty hot out there, you're, um, you know, in your later, later stages of your race. So, um, I guess just figuring out, um, when you're going to take them and kind of having that planned ahead. Yeah, definitely. Really good advice there. And I know we covered a lot here. And at the beginning we said, oh, you know, the whole try what works for you or you have to figure out what works for you. There really is that element to it where you have to experiment with what works for you. And I know over the years I've kind of switched between different gels or chews and you find what works and you just kind of stick with that if it, if it's going well. Um, but sometimes it is really frustrating going through that process. So I would recommend maybe going to your running store picking up a few that sound like maybe they would taste good experimenting on some easy runs and before you know it you'll probably like nail down um what what sits well with you and just be consistent with that um it doesn't have to be you don't have to try everything you don't have to um have multiple different types of gels when you're running it's just pick one that works and the reason there's so many different brands is because it is a frustrating process for athletes and people one thing that works for Jason might not work for me and vice versa. And so that's why there's such a selection. Um, it's not because like you need all of them. Right. So we covered a lot and basically water every, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. If you're training for a marathon, it's really important to make sure that you are training with water and training how you would on race day. You aren't going to have 10 minute stops for water on race day. So you definitely should train in accordance to that. So if you're trying to run through your water stops, maybe signing up for a few races where you have the opportunity to run through actual water stops at race pace. Then we talked a little bit about electrolytes and making sure that you know what is going to be on the course on race day. Um, if it, you're planning on using you can, you really need to have a strategy in place for someone who is going to hand you these electrolytes or your um, fuel while you're on the course, unless you're going to be running with a handheld water bottle. But also those handheld water bottles, they don't they don't hold um, you know infinite infinite amounts of liquids. So making sure that you're aware of what's going to be on the course is key. And then in terms of the consuming of the gels and any sort of food-like substances, it's really important to do what works for you. Find what works best. There is a little bit more experimentation that goes on here. Kind of looking at the different flavors that they have at um, online or at your local running store and seeing what sounds appealing to you, starting with something easy. And then if that doesn't work, maybe moving into, um, you know, options that have more natural sugars, such as an applesauce, or sometimes the honey stingers work better for people. Um, and it's just a lot to take in, but it's really important to have that fueling strategy down and to be consuming them regularly, get in your rhythm and routine. And that's really critical for marathon training. If you're training for any distance that's going to be less than, you know, an hour to 60 minutes in duration, I don't think that the fueling as is as important. Um, it's still good to kind of know these things and be able to be comfortable with them, but where it really comes into play.
play is those longer distance races where you're going to be running for longer than 60 to 90 minutes. And the longer the race, the more important the fueling strategy really comes into play. And I just think this topic is so important. And a lot of runners, they never really reach their potential in the longer distances because they aren't fueling their body correctly. And so today we covered a little bit about fueling on the run. But there's so much more to fueling, right? There's fueling before your run, after your run. There's fueling for people who have dietary restrictions. There's just so many things that go into this concept. And what you put in your body is what your body is running on. And so this can be so individual from person to person because our bodies all need different amounts of nutrients and calories and all of those things. And sometimes it can be really overwhelming and athletes really want an expert and a professional in this area who can help guide them and take a deep dive at their goals, their mileage, um, you know, what, what sort of calorie intake they need, what sort of fueling strategy they really need for the event that they're training for. And that is why Run for PRs has a registered dietitian on staff who can help athletes reach their goals. Um, and it's not just any registered dietitian, right? She is someone who has experience working with runners and athletes very specifically for this. Um, the reason we have a dietitian on staff is because this is such an important aspect in the sport of running. And we really think athletes need to have a professional look at these things and not just, you know, oh, you know, run coaches can advise at the basic level, but if you want something really in depth and you're really struggling with something, this is when a registered dietitian can be huge. So I highly recommend, um, filling out the form on our website, www.runforprs.co and just ask asking if you can have um, a chat with a registered dietitian. We have a ton of packages available and it would be great to get any of your questions answered by, um, you know, a registered dietitian who is a runner herself and who has experience working with these athletes. Um, She's also a Boston qualifier. So there is just so much that goes into distance running specifically. And that's why it's really important to have someone in your corner. Um, And if you're ever interested in working on getting a free seven day trial with a coach, in addition to maybe working with a registered dietitian, you can fill out the form at www.runforprs.co and we can get you set up. Thanks for tuning in.